Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Vanguard and guest. If you'd do me a favor and be a virtual evangelist and share the service today. Did you know, Christian, that 26 years ago, it was cool to roll up your pant legs? Did you know that, Roger? I guess it still is, all right? You know, trends come and trends go. When we were in the process of starting Vanguard, we went to the Southern Baptist Convention in 1996 in New Orleans. It was in the Superdome. And I walked up to this gentleman and I said, "Uh, if you were going to plant a church today, where would you plant it? And he said, he named a few places, and he said, where are you thinking? And I said, Colorado Springs. He said, that's the last place on planet Earth I would ever plant a church. And I said, well, thank you, Pastor Rick Warren uh, of Saddleback, Purpose Driven Life Church, uh, one of my heroes of the faith. I stood there and I looked at him. I was like, well, and I said to Tasha, maybe we shouldn't do this. I mean, if, if the church planning guru thinks we should not go to the last place at the end of the earth, then maybe we shouldn't go. So I want to welcome you today to the last place on planet earth. Amen. For 26 years, we have been living out this mission of loving others into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you, if you're new today and you came hoping for a religious experience uh, that basically does not touch your heart, you picked the wrong church. If you came in order to see something that we believe in and that we are seeking to live in real relationship with him and with each other, you came to the right place. You came to the last place on planet earth. So we traveled here. We started Vanguard. I remember when we first moved in, there was this guy named Steve Lights. And Steve, total stranger, I met him the night before and he said, hey, be glad to help you move in. He didn't really remember that because he was actually feeling good from the night before, uh, but he still helped me move in. He kept good in his word. And as he's carrying up these flight of steps, all these boxes that are very heavy, he finally says to me after carrying about 40 of them, he says, hey, do you mind me asking, what is in all of these boxes? Who has this much stuff at your age? And I said, they're all books. He said, who has books like this at your age? I said, I don't know, but we came here to start a church and that's why we're here. Would you like to be a part of it? And he said to me, and I quote, I'm Catholic. I thought churches always were. I didn't know anybody started these things. And I said, well, maybe we're not going to either, but that's what we're here to do. And so that began a relationship. I want to point this book out to you. Friend of Sinners Taking Risks to Reach the Lost. I talk about Steve in this book. This was published at our 20th anniversary. And on the fifth anniversary of Vanguard in T6, when we had all the red chairs and all the red curtains, Steve Lights got up and shared with our church that he had given his life to Jesus Christ. It took five years. It took five years 
for that to happen. There's copies of this book uh, out in the lobby. I would encourage you, if you're new to Vanguard, learn the history of our church and what God has called us to do. And as we begin this 27th year journey, and as we live out the calling that God has given us, we have the same mission, the same motto of who God has created us to be. And yes, the most unusual suspect, you want to know who it is? It's you. It's me. It's Vanguard. It's the most unlikely story uh, as we live out our faith. I grew up on a dairy farm in Kentucky. Not one moment in my entire childhood did I think to myself, you know, I think I'll one day move to Colorado and start a church. Not one second of my entire childhood did I ever think that. Never dawned on me. Never crossed my mind. And see, God has things still in my future, and God has things still in your future you've not once thought of. And they're greater things than you've ever imagined. But if you have to control the narrative of your life, you're going to miss the greatest story of your existence. And when you open your hands and you say, he's never changed, I surrender. I surrender my life to you. Do you understand never in the history of our church have we had a worship pastor that's willing to sit behind the drum shield and play drums while somebody else leads the worship? That's humility. That's humility. That's called teamwork. It makes the dream work. See, this is not about an individual. It's not even about individuals. This is about Jesus. That's it. That's it. And as you come today and as you experience this exciting day, and it is exciting to us, We want you to know that whatever you see that you like, that's Jesus. Whatever you see that you don't like, that's me, all right? (laughs) And I truly believe that. I truly believe that. We have seen 3,350 people in 26 and a half years say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ and follow him in believer's baptism. We've partnered to help church plants, 76 of them, over the course of our existence. God gave us a vision of seeing 50,000 come to Christ and 5,000 churches be planted. And you say, do you think that'll happen in your lifetime? Probably not. But see, what God calls us to is not just about us. And the question is, will we be faithful so that others can stand on our shoulders and do what we wish we could have done? Or will we quit and give up because of the discouragement and the sorrow and the opposition? We have to decide. We have to decide. We have to decide. Listen to me. We live in a woke world, but it's time for the church to wake up. Amen? Amen? Amen. Get up and live your life. Live it with courage. Live it with determination. Live it with conviction. Live it and believe that it matters that you are here, that your life matters to the equation of your life. 
and that it matters. This world needs the Jesus that is in you. And it needs you to be courageous enough not to make excuses for the calling that God has placed on your life. Listen to me. Every one of us have a a very superfluous calling upon our lives. But so many of us become so discouraged by the defeat and the darkness of this life that we give up before we experience the breakthrough. And I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you today to be the most unusual suspect on planet Earth. I want everybody in your life to go, I'm so shocked God's used you. (laughs) I will never forget, I had a good friend named Brian. He was in my wedding. And during our break at our phone solicitation company, we're in Bible college. We were sitting out on the sidewalk. It was smoke break time. And he said, hey, Kelly, I just want to tell you, I just respect you so much. I go, oh, okay. Thank you. I said, do you mind me asking why? He said, you just have this uncanny ability uh, to be a nobody and seem not to care. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Our mission is to love people into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our mission. Some people ask, how did the church get its name? Well, Tasha sees this church as her baby, as her child. So it stands, and it's fitting, right, that the mom would name it. And so when Tasha was an administrator at Dallas Theological Seminary, uh, do you remember what year? Was it 94, 95, somewhere in there? Uh, she would have the word of the day that would come across her screen. She had like a, some kind of program. And so she came home one day and she said, I got it. I said, you got what? She said, I got the name for our church. I said, well, what is it? She said, Vanguard. I remember hearing this for the first time. I'm like, what? What? Vanguard. No, listen to what it means. It means to be on the front lines. It means to be the first to go into battle. It means to be the first to take risk. It means that you set the example and you go to war. The people that hit the beaches of Normandy, they were the vanguard, right? Right? You are the vanguard. You are the vanguard. You are taking risk to reach the lost. And man, are there a lot of them. We talk about, and we've discussed this, and we're not going to go into great detail, but we talk about in this book how to love people into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. We personally touch their life. We use the word point. We occasionally encourage them, interactively listen, never give up. And then guess what? We tell them the good news. There is good news. There is good news. You know, in the summertime, I take a break from watching television. And Tasha had the news on the other night, and I was like, I think I'm going to take a longer break. I think I like the world without the news on. No offense if you're in the world of news. I apologize. Why would God want us to use our lives to love others when he could do it better? It's a question that's haunted me all my 
ministry. Why would God want us to love others into a real relationship when, quite honestly, if he would just do it, it would be done better and be far more effective? And so I want to invite you to take your program, your Bible, or your internet device, and we're going to briefly talk about this. And then we're going to get to the real sermon today, the five people getting baptized. Look at John 4, 29. We talked about the woman at the well in this series, so we won't belabor that point. You can go back and listen. But she says this, come see a man, talking about Jesus, who told me all that I ever did. Now, I love this. Could this be the Christ? Could this be our Savior? Could this be our Messiah? Could this be our Redeemer? Could this be him? They knew this woman's sordid past. They knew it. And see, there are people in your life that know your sordid past. But see, strangely enough, as we saw in this woman's life a few weeks ago, it's through our brokenness in our stories that other people's brokenness finds hope to be redeemed in Jesus. And see, Jesus wants you to go out and tell people, hey, I think I've met the one, the Savior, the Redeemer. I think I've met him. I think I've met him. And I love the fact that she held it as a question, could this be? And it's okay if you don't have a great amount of confidence to simply say like she did, could this be? Could this be the one? Could this be the one? Now, why does God want to use us? Number one, because Jesus' love changes lives through changed lives. I want you to think about this statement. I want you to think about it in your story. Jesus' love changes lives through changed lives. God wants to give us his love that never fails, He wants to apply it to the brokenness of our stories and that he wants us to go tell everybody, hey, come meet a man that told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be? And some of us, and let me just stop here just a second. Some of us are going, well, I don't have a master's degree in theology from the seminary like Pastor Kelly does, so I, oh, give me a break. Give me a break. Do you know what one of the problems is of having a master's degree in theology? You think you're a master of the Bible. You forget that it doesn't matter how many degrees you have, you're a student. You're the student. He's the teacher. doesn't matter how many titles you have in front or behind your name. doesn't matter what you accomplish with your life. We serve at the pleasure of Almighty Jesus. Amen? And I need you to stop dismissing and discounting yourself because you think you're not qualified to represent Jesus. Jesus has made you qualified. He wants you to represent him. And when somebody says you're an idiot or you're a this, you go, you're probably right. You're probably right. I didn't expect this many people to hate me this early in life. All right. I didn't. And it's a very difficult thing to, make, to reconcile and make sense of. But I will tell you this, till my dying breath, I'm going to represent him. 
I am going to stand for him. I'm going to stand for what he stands for. I'm going to say what he has said. And I'm going to try with all that is within me to be everything he's asked me to be. And it's okay if we disagree. But let's chase him instead of chasing each other off. Let's live out our calling together and let's say God collectively wants to say to us, we are better together. 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 I love these words. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Don't lie to yourself. Neither the sexually immoral, the idolater, the adulterer, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, the greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers. By the way, everybody. (laughs) None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. I love verse 11. There's so much hope here. But such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Whatever I was, he said, I ain't anymore. Amen? Whatever I was, he said, I ain't anymore. I get to choose. Every time I sin... I get to choose. You say, how's your choices going? Some days better than others. As I said to the Lord this morning, you know, Lord, I'm sorry that my sin does not bother me sometimes. And I pray John makes sin exceedingly sinful like your dad told us to. Because sometimes I go, you know, Lord, it doesn't seem like it matters to you, so I'm not sure why it should matter to me. And see, that's as honest as I can be with you. That's as real as I can be with you this morning, okay? Every one of us have holy sandpaper going on between us and God, okay? Every one of us. Every one of us. Don't be ashamed of your story. Share it. Share it. Share it. Well, I don't want anybody. No. Whatever part of your story you're holding back hasn't been redeemed. And that's the problem. The shadows that you're living in are unredeemed shadows. And the freedom that you lack is because of your unwillingness to let him shine the light on it. So look at this, 2 Corinthians 1. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comfort us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort for which we ourselves are comforted by God. A lot of Christians are giving up on Christianity and deciding yoga is more effective than prayer. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. 
If we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. Isn't that cool? If I'll share in your sufferings, I get to get in on your comfort too. Ha! Huh. So if I stop being selfish and self-centered and keep making my life all about me and I start entering into your sufferings, I get to eat your comfort too. That's good stuff. You wondering why you're miserable? You're too myopic. You've done too much navel-gazing. I've done too much navel-gazing. Because the moment, the Lord says, the moment you care about what I care about, his eyes are on what you care about. So what do you care about? Tell the Lord what you care about. Care about what God cares about. And he'll care about what you care about. And you'll be shocked. You'll be shocked. You'll be shocked. You say, is it easy? No. I'll, I'll just take a little poll here for a second. Who finds it easy to be selfless? Please keep your hand up long enough for me to see it. So I want to identify who knows you. Oh, okay. Okay. The Christian life would be easy if I were dead. Amen? It would be easy. You say, well, isn't it easy? His yoke's easy, it's burnt. Yes, but the problem is I want to live the Christian life instead of him living the Christian life through me. Nevertheless, not I, but Christ that lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. So the moment you get to the end of yourself, G, wherever you are, the moment you get to the end of yourself, you get to meet Jesus. Jesus. And he's the great comforter. So principle number two, why does he use us? Because our suffering allows others to experience his comfort through us. Huh. Our suffering allows others to experience his comfort through us. I'm reading a lot of books right now because I'm really lost internally right now. Like in a way I don't think I've ever been in a long time. And I'm just trying to find God's voice through a variety of different voices. And one of the things that Mark Buchanan in his book, Seasons of Life, I think that's the name of it, or Rhythms of Spiritual Rhythms, um, he says, you know, Jesus reserves one room just for himself in your soul. It's your room of suffering. He draws close, he sits down, he shuts up, and he listens. And so many people go, well, why isn't God talking? Have you ever gone to the hospital when someone's dying? Shut up. Don't talk when people are dying. Don't, don't try to explain to people why they have pain when they're dying. They don't need that. You go, what do they need? They need the presence of Jesus that's in you to sit by them so that he can encourage them through you. That's it. You say, well, why isn't Jesus talking to me? Because Jesus knows that when we're in our greatest seasons of suffering, he's quiet out of reverence for what we're going through. It's not that he doesn't care. Jesus wants you 
to talk to him. He is not going to talk back right now in the darkest seasons of your suffering. He wants you to talk to him. And if, you have, if he has to talk first, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. He is a gentleman, and he is at your service. He is knocking on your door. He wants you to open it, and he wants you to tell him how you really feel. Sometimes I read the Bible and go, can I really say that? I read Psalm 41 through 50 this morning, and there was one thing David said in there. I'm like, can I really say that, God? And he said, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Say this to the Lord. If you comfort me in my sorrows, you ready, Josh? I'll tell everybody you did it. If you'll comfort me in my sorrows, I'll tell everybody you did it. Go, how do you have peace? Jesus. 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 Now look at the last reason. This is a short one. 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Nobody wants to say this because then you've got to live it. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That arrogant Paul no, this is the most humble thing you can ever say. Do what I do while I do what he tells me to do. God wants to encourage others to emulate the faith they see in you. Come on in, kids. Woohoo! Come on, give my hand, guys. We're so glad. Yes, yes. Got a few running for office this morning? Yes. Number three, because our faith in Jesus gives others an example in how to follow Jesus too. Our faith in Jesus gives others an example in how to follow Jesus too. Isn't that right, Paige? <laughs> Tasha told me God's using you in somebody else's life. Amen. Everybody in this room has been ordained by Almighty God to have an eternal impact on somebody else that's breathing air right now. So the enemy says, I got to get them off their game. I got to get them off their game. I got to get them off their game. And what's happening is there are people in our church right now that are rising up and the demons are going, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know. Oh, now I'm starting to get to know Paige. And see, the demonic world knows the names of those that claim the name of Jesus. And the moment that somebody says, I'm going to follow Jesus, it's already happened to one of the five individuals getting baptized today. The, the, hey, I'm getting baptized. Would you like to come see me? Oh, baptized? For what? Jesus? For what? Ridicule. Huh. See, it's not enough. The world's not happy just not believing. The world won't be happy until you don't believe. 
but you better get up early and stay up late. Because this farm boy ain't quitting. All right? Right? And you're not either. You keep showing up. You don't give up. And eventually, God will show out. And when he does, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. I want you to think about this question. And please don't think about it from the perspective of guilt. If you're going to think about it from the perspective of guilt, then don't even think about it. Who will be in heaven because you were on earth? Who will be in heaven because you were here on earth? See, all we can do is invite others to experience him. We comfort others through the way he's comforted us. You know, sometimes people say, Pastor, you have any idea what it feels like? I don't. I don't. Pastor, you haven't? I actually do. I went through that one. But here's what I say. I didn't go through that, but I know somebody that did. Would you mind if I, oh, no, I don't want to talk to them. Oh, you just want to keep a piss poor attitude. Okay, let me know how that goes for you. Because I know people that have gone through what you've gone through and they can help you because they ain't going to tell you things that they don't understand. And see, the reason why you become a part of something like this, yeah, is because this gives opportunity for us to become a resource to each other as we go through different things in our lives. And I know there's certain things that people have gone through. And I say, hey, would you mind if I connect you to this person? And it wouldn't mind at all. Okay. Well, I don't know. I'm just not sure about that. Okay, well, let me know. Let me know. But I can't do anything else for you. You go, well, but you're the pastor. <laughs> oh, my soul. You, what do you think? I'm Superman? You think I'm Jesus Christ? Like, do you understand that there's people in this room a lot godlier than me? that have gone through things I don't understand. Like, I'm just the one that gets up here and runs his mouth. And then you go, hey, maybe you could help me. No, but I know someone that can because they've gone through that. The last thing, encourage others to follow you as you follow him. Come on. I love the road to Damascus story. Didn't our hearts burn in us? I don't know, was Jesus messing with them? Sometimes I say to Jesus, are you messing with me right now? Because if you are, could you stop? He was messing with them on the road to Damascus. He's like, hey, tell me about that guy, Jesus. What, 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 what's going on in the city? I've been, out of, you know, I've been on a trip. I mean, talk about God having a sense of humor. It's like, come on, God. Jesus was just crucified, okay? And he's been resurrected, and he's going to have a little fun. Okay, so the Lord says to me, Kelly, get a sense of humor. Because I say, Lord, you say wait on you, but you're eternal. I'm temporal. Why don't you wait on me? I'm the one that ain't got much time. You go, can you say that to God? I don't know. I did. Respectfully, 
In 26 and a half years, no Damascus Road experiences at this church. You say, what do you mean? You're going to see five more people follow Christ in believer's baptism today. And none of them came to Christ like Saul did on the road to Damascus where Jesus led him to himself himself. 3,350 at the end of the service, 3,355 people will have said, somebody loved me enough to walk with me. Somebody. And see, that's what's so powerful about this. That's what's so powerful about this is that God has called every one of us to walk with somebody. And we're going to get to see that five more times today. Amen? Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.